Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. The game was pushed back by a day as COVID hits Brisbane, but it's still the same result. Bulldogs going down to the Gold Coast Titans 34-6 at Suncorp Stadium. I'm Scott. Welcome to the Bulldogs Fans Podcast, and I'm joined by Matt. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad considering. How are you? Yeah, good. I mean, chaos hit the NRL. I want to just start with that on Saturday. Mm. Uh, looking forward to the, I suppose, the blockbuster myself personally, the Storm and Panthers mm. uh, game that was being hyped up all week and then told that professional sports couldn't go ahead on Saturday, but then was good, to, got given the green light for Sunday and Monday. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that, is, how that works up there, but it's good to see the games come back on. Um, yeah, I don't know. Gotta say, I was first, when the news first came through, I was a bit disappointed, but then I spent all night watching the Olympics, so I don't think I missed it too much. Mm, fair enough. Um, so, but the Bulldogs and Titans game originally was meant to be kicked off at two o'clock at Seabus mm. Super Stadium and then was moved to Suncorp Stadium and then played on Monday night football at 6 p.m. It was us and Monday night in COVID, eh? Last year we had to be shifted to a Monday night game and now we've been yeah. shifted again to Monday night. Uh, three, four, six. Interesting thing I found about it, they moved it all to Suncorp Stadium. And now this week they've moved the games across both Southeast Queensland teams, so Suncorp and Seba mm. Super. I would have thought the Bulldogs and Titans, in my opinion, would have been better suited at Seba Super and having a double header there. I'm not no. too sure. They had rules around it and reasons around it, but I thought yeah. it would have been better to. Yeah, it's a bit confusing, isn't it? Because it's like. It was part of the the COVID rules that um, they're only going to use the one venue, and then lockdown extends in Queensland. And this weekend, they're using two venues, so it's hard to know where the the logic's coming from and why it is the way it is. But um, I guess that's just the world at the moment, isn't it? Um, mm. Well, I was just thinking of a logistics point of view. The Gold Coast Titans, obviously, I'm just imagining with the Gold Coast players probably live there. Mm. The Bulldogs are currently on the Gold Coast, staying there. Yeah. They're only about a 10-minute bus ride away, so I thought, you know, 10 minutes less chance of catching the virus. Gold Coast 40, place. 40 minutes. Is it a 40-minute bus ride from the hotel? From, from the Gold Coast to Brisbane? No, no, I was oh, saying oh, for right. the Bulldogs, like, like they're only down the road from the hotel yeah, from yeah, yeah. Seabus Super, so therefore you get them on a short bus trip there in like 10, 15 minutes. Gold Coast... You know, most of them would probably be living in that Gold Coast area, but then you know they had all, all had to take a forty-minute drive to an hour drive to go to Brisbane to play. That was where I thought you know it would have been smarter to play it at Sea Bus, and then plus all the foot traffic, Suncorp got hit. It looked a bit heavy, especially around the try, the 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 try line area. It looked a bit, how you doing throughout both the both the Monday night games. Mm. But yeah, maybe we're delaying the inevitable. Uh, Gold Coast Titans 34, defeating the Bulldogs 6. It's another disappointing loss. It's something that I guess we're used to now. Um, mm. We can almost repeat some of the old podcast episodes to what went wrong. Um, well, but, yeah. I don't know. It's, um, so watching this game was like watching the Bulldogs play the Broncos and the Cowboys all those weeks ago. Yes. It was, it was really not enjoyable. It was... Poor, the Titans weren't even that good, to be honest. They won by 28 points. That's what um, I was feeling too. There was a patch where Titans 
they played some good footy, but from just big patches in that game where they weren't good at all. And the dogs, the dogs look tired and over it and look like they're thrown in the towel for the year. Um, if it wasn't already secured, the wooden spoon is definitely secured now. Mm. Um, they yeah. needed to, yeah, they needed to win that to have a chance. It was almost like mathematical for the Bulldogs to get off the wooden spoon from last week. And now yeah. it's just hand it to us now. And, you know, rough go, losing Thompson as well. I still reckon that was um, <laughs> contentious at best. Mm. Mm, no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's it's just disappointing, isn't it? It's not um, a fun time um, to be supporting the club. Um, obviously, we will continue to. Um, but, yeah, you used to be able to say at least there's heart in the performances. Um, I don't think you could say that. On the weekend, it's something that we've always been about. Like Dean Pay, when we finished in twelfth, like we had these late season runs that we're been used to the last few years, and you know, like having something, and there's always been, you know, heart in the performances, passion, you know, passion in defence, you know, pride in that area. Like we might not have been the better, great attacking side, or we're not. We've gone even worse this year. And the the alarming statistics go to show it's easier. It's almost easier to attack this year. All the teams are improving in attack except for us. We've gone mm. backwards when it's meant to be easier, which is an alarming uh, fact, really. Like it's alarming for for Trent Barrett. It's alarming for anyone involved in the Bulldogs. That how is every other team scoring more points under these quick rules, and we're the only team not adapting mm. um, with that. Um, it's alarming that, you know, the last few years that we, even when the season's over, that we find a way to turn up and still try to win games and take it to the end. And um, now games are over for us sometimes 20, 30 minutes in. Like, it's going really poor. And the Titans, like you said, the Titans, if they really wanted to play, they could have put 50 on us. Yeah. The Titans just did enough to win. And then you say did enough and they've got 34 points on the board. Yeah, um, so I suppose I'm going to start with a positive as far as individual performance goes. Um, I've given him a big rap this whole period. Uh, Bailey Beyond Yodo, uh, how good was he first coming onto the field for Carl Flanagan, who went off with the HIA? Yeah, two um, head knocks. Playing in the halves um, and then coming on a bit later to play that backup W half role. I've gone... I've given him some big reps in the past, Scott. Um, he showed class again on the weekend. Um, perhaps the only player to really show show uh, class. Um, but I'm going to go a step further. He is our future. He is the next JT. Wow, massive rap. It just, I mean, it's hard to argue. You saw that dropout he did, that forced dropout. He looked yeah. like he was on a different level compared so to the other half. On the half. field for 30 seconds, Bulldog struggled to find the grass with any kick all night. <laughs> like I said, he's on the field for 30 seconds. He puts a beautiful kick that splits, well, that goes into space, goes into the in-goal area and stops on a dime mm. and forces a goal line dropout. That's just, like I, I said the word, it's class, isn't it? Like mm. you, you can't train class, you can... Take super, you can take people with um, talent and make them better players, but um, that type of class and talent is um, hard to find. So, um, and to do that 30 seconds into a game that you haven't been involved in, 
playing in the halves for the first time in the NRL. Um, obviously, he's our jersey flag halfback, um, which <laughs> brings me to a bugbear far out. When Flanagan goes off for HIA, the commentary is like, oh, that will put Marshall King into the halves, and uh, Bailey, who's been playing hooker off the bench, will come into hooker. Do the commentators not do any research anymore? No, well, it took Fox Why are they su- suggesting to put Marshall King into the halves? Bailey's a halfback. Mm. Well, I think to answer your question for that, I'll add answer the question before talking about Bailey a little bit further. Uh, Fox League just found it. I felt like Fox League last week was the first week they realized when every time the referee goes to the bunker, it's a no try. Because <laughs> it's been taken all year where they've been, Willie, he's given it a no try. Really? That, oh, I thought that was a try. And they didn't know. And then I remember, I think it was Dan Kane last week goes, when he was going to the bunker, he goes, oh, he's found something he doesn't like because that's why they go to the bunker with yeah. a no try. And I was like, it must have been like he thought it was a new rule. Like he just read it that week or something. <laughs> um, that's been the way all year. So to, to answer that, Fox League must not do that because I never thought once that Jerry Marshall King was going to go to the halves in that yeah. situation. Uh, to continue on Bailey, I'd, he just looks like a cool, calm person. Like when he did that kick, you know, chucked in in the, in the, the game, Titans on top. You know, you're now going to be running at halfback or five eight, whatever. Like you know, he took actually, he went to Jake Avrilo's side, if you notice yeah. the, the defense and stuff. So, he, so yeah. suppose you shifted to five eight, if you want to call it that. First kick, you know, couldn't blame him if he just kicked it a little bit too hard into seven tackle well, set. Wouldn't blame him if he stepped aside and let Avrilo take it. Mm. Um, but yeah. it just feels like it can't. Like I feel like it just by watching him, I could be completely wrong, but just watching him play. There's not much, you know, it's very calm mindset. There's not too much stress in his mind. It's just what needs to be done next. Like, yeah. it just feels like he doesn't yeah. think, he thinks for the m- moment and the right thing for that moment. He's not stressing over everything. He's got the confidence and ability to back it up. But, you know, the part that impressed me the most, I don't know how many people would have picked this up, but reach out and tell us. At the end of the game where he scored the try, so he's come back on, he's gone off, Flanagan's come back, he's gone off, and he's come back on as the replacement hooker for Marshall King. He buries or barges over the try line from dummy half, puts mm-hmm, the ball yeah. down, scores a try. Now, that in itself, from a small halfback, is to put his body on the line and to do the tough stuff, that's a sign of a champion. Mm. And that's where the comparison with... Um, that's why I've gone a step further. JT, Terry Lamb, they don't just play their positions. They find a way to get things done. If that means being tough and um, having to do a play like that, they do. Champions pull that, pull that out of the uh, bag. But the mm. other thing, so that's one champion quality. The other champion quality is when he was walking back after that try, he's shaking his head. Yes, I did notice he that. He was actually. filthy that the team was losing 34 to or what ended up to be 34-6. And that's another side of that competitiveness. Um, and that's why I went with JT first, because JT, very talented player, but the reason why he was a great player was his competitiveness. Um, and I saw a glimpse of that in Bailey on the weekend. Um, and it's huge wraps, and you don't want to put too much pressure on these guys, but um, I've always had high hopes for Bailey. Even, even before he made his debut, I said to you, watch out for this kid. He's got quite a lot of talent. I can't wait to see how he goes in the NRL. He's made every step a winner in his four or five games so far. Yeah, he's been a shining light, and it's funny throughout the season. 
he hasn't been involved too much, but somehow he's still a shining light of of our season and something that, you know, he's definitely playing his way into a the halfback next year with Matt Burton on his side. You couldn't rule him out as a chance to be the starting number seven or number six, depending on how what they want to give Matt Burton, what number they want to give him. But he's definitely, you know, he's making every post a winner and he hasn't done anything bad. I don't think he, I've seen him throw a bad pass or a slightly off pass. I think that's another thing at Hooker coming on and doing it is hitting the players where they want to be hit. Mm. There's the service is good. Like it's actually almost it, it lifts from him when he goes on the field compared to Jeremy Marshall King, which is no knock on Jeremy. No, a couple, other, been good. A couple other players did really well. Scotty Aaron Chop, I thought had a pretty good game, as he always does. Jack Everington, I thought played well, uh, but unfortunately he's back on report. So <laughs> no, he's good what? to go. It's good. He's got off. Okay, yeah, he's good to go. No charge. No go. charge for him. That's good. So um, apart from that, I thought. Um, well, Jackson threw in a, a Jackson shift, but you come to expect that. <laughs> mm. uh, apart from that, it was really disappointing. Um, and before I get into what I'm about to say next, um, there's no excuse for fans to attack players on social media for their performance. Mm. Whether you've had a bet on a multi or you're just upset at the way the team's performing, there's no excuse to single out one player and send them private messages or um, bully them online. It's absolutely ridiculous, and it's really sad to see that Jaden Lockenball had to close off his Instagram this week because of that. Mm. Um, you know, it's a real stain on society, and it's it's really unacceptable. Now, in saying that, you do have a right to be critical in a constructive way based on the performance and not based on anything personal. And mm. I feel like he's had a couple of bad weeks. Uh, he's credited for two errors on the weekend. Um, he made a few more mistakes or errors that were we'll said aren't errors, if you know what I mean, aren't on the stat sheet as errors. Mm-hmm. Um, he's down on confidence. Uh, he's not looking like a first-grade player at the moment. Um, and you can say that for about half the team. Uh, but I thought it was quite clear that he had a really bad game um, on the weekend. And I feel like at the moment it's time to um, to give somebody else a crack out there. Mm, okay, yeah. To go with what you said, I 100% agree. Like, Ogunbaugh having a bad game doesn't deserve to have things chucked at him and personal attacks and stuff. For those, you know, they don't care about your multis or your bets or your 1 to 12 or 18, 13 plus, whatever it is. They don't care. They just don't really care. They want to win. But I have to give a, a rap to Jen Norkenborn in the sense of he made mistakes. Like, there's no doubt that it wasn't his night. It was a terrible, terrible night for Jen Norkenborn, but it was a terrible night for the rest of the team as well. Like, he, he's at it like he's... When he dropped the ball from the dropout, like that wasn't great. It it just kind of summed up our season. Like, in a, if you had to put a clip up, you'd probably put that for poor Jaden Knockenball. But he got up and he was frustrated with himself. He was absolutely filthy of himself. When he dropped the ball or the play of the ball one where it looked a bit scratchy and they pinned him and he was, challenge it, challenge it, challenge it, challenge it. I'm like, I didn't drop it, didn't drop it. And he was right. He was correct and he won the challenge and everything like that. He still cares. Like, it, 
like he didn't drop the ball and was just walk back to his wing spot. Like he was filthy of himself. People were trying to pat him on the head. He wasn't happy. Like you could tell that he wasn't buying into the high fives. You know, where he tried to keep spirits high. So you can never say that he didn't care or the effort's not there. The effort is there. It's just that he's in a, a patch right now. And I do think, like, unfortunately, the New South Cup's not on at the moment. Like I always said that I think with Ockenbohr, he should have came through New South Cup and given him a few weeks getting 200 plus meters you know having good carry good carries being like you know scoring a couple of tries to before getting put in top grade i don't i mean i can see why they chucked him in he last year he came flying in and out of nowhere he was playing brilliantly like we know how he can play brilliantly you know he played well last year for those short period of time when he returned but i felt that you know it was probably more of a I think now if Trent Barrett had his time over again, I don't think he rushes him in as quickly or if he finds a way to play him less, like even if it's off the bench as like a utility value, even though there's not much, like, you know what I mean? Like I just felt like he was rushed back in from a serious knee injury that he was struggling with early on and it took him a while to get back. Absolutely. And yeah, getting some confidence up and some fitness up in reserve grade would probably be ideal, but that's not an option. Yeah. At the moment, I did hear South Australian uh, State Cup still going, so maybe a couple of flight. <laughs> oh my goodness! That's... <laughs> On that, we had to light in the air there, didn't we? All yeah. right, um, let's like get it. to the players of the well, the two points and the one point for the week. Um, hard to say players of the match when so comprehensively defeated by a team that's not playing that well <laughs> themselves. Um, but before we do, do you have anyone else that you'd like to highlight in a positive way? from the game well you highlighted Aaron Shaw which I thought that he was just playing with heart out there there was nothing again nothing special you couldn't say what about that massive run from him or anything like that but he's just running hard getting tackled hard like you know tackling hard you could feel it Um, but it's hard to really highlight anyone out there I mean Corey Waddell did 11 runs for 110 metres I think that was you know if you look at doing your job and just you know, doing it okay. Corey Waddell did it on the weekend. All right, well, let's make the announcements. This week we picked the same players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for two points, or I'll go for one point. One point, uh, we both gave it to Jack Hendrickson, so one point from each of us plus a bonus point for being uh, highlighted by both of us. Uh, puts him to eight points for the season and into tied fifth spot with two other players, Jake Avarillo and Josh Jackson. And for some game day stats for him, he's ran, he did 16 runs for 168 metres, two tackle breaks, a line break, an offload, and 24 tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go again then. Uh, two points. We've both given it to Bailey Beyond Yodo. Probably no surprise there if you've been listening to the conversation of this, of the last 19 minutes of us talking. Um, so he gets uh, five points total on to his uh, season total, which puts him up to 11 points and currently in um, fourth spot because second is tied at the moment. So no third, he's into fourth. Uh, So that leaves us the top five of Luke Thompson on 28 points, running away with it at the moment, but is suspended uh, in first spot. In second spot, it's Dallin Watelli to Lesniak and Nick Meadey on 13 points. Uh, The fact that Dallin's still so high... Uh, really highlights <laughs> some bad things for us this season. 
Um, so yeah, they're tied in second, which means fourth is Bailey beyond Leono on 11 points, and then tied in fifth, like I said earlier, Jake Avarillo, Josh Jackson, and Jack Harrington. Speaking about Avarillo, he, he's looking a bit tired lately, isn't he? First, yeah. First full season of the NRL. Yeah, I actually, I agree with that, actually, Commander. He looks tired. I mean, even his hair's all over the place. You know, no, I'm just, he's, well, yeah. A lot of us are in that boat at the moment. Yeah, he looks like, yeah, he looks frustrated, a bit of frustrated. I think he's taking a bit of the losses, obviously, to heart, which is a good, uh, which is a good thing for, like, you know, passion of the club. But he's really, it just looks like he's struggling. Like, he, he hit a ball at Matt Dury on the, on the weekend and gave him no chance. To, cap, to hold on to that. He got absolutely flattened. And then, you know, the ball was on his shoulder. So he actually caught it. And then straight. And then the t- Titans' defense was right in his face. And it was like, no, this ball is not going to be anything else but a knock-on. Like, if he kept a hold of that, that would have been, like, impressive. And, you know, that's an error on Matt Dury's statistics that he shouldn't have had. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm just thinking about everything in his game at the moment. His he's, uh, half-breaks or line-breaks have disappeared a little bit. Uh, quite a bit mm. his kicks are just like put it up in the air and chase through so I, feel, I feel like he's he's really struggling um it's like the the lack of success in his first full season like the game against manly that's 66 nil like mm. i feel like that's been a point where there was sometimes he was running like i feel like he's a player who's got he's as quick as anything like i was actually so upset the other night watching the game i mean i was looking over some of the tries that we posted last year on all our social media channels when we're counting it down, and we, I saw one of him when he scored against Manly, where it was a, off the off a grubby kick from Lachlan Lewis, a missed grubby kick, and he just came through and you said like a seagull to a hot chip, and he <laughs> scored a try. Like he's that's just brilliant speed, and he ran around uh, Tom Travojevic, who's you know the best player in the in the competition at the moment. Mm. Um, he's in the greatest form, and Tom Travojevic is quite a quick person. He just ran around him and scored. So he's got speed, you know, he's fast. He he can step. We've seen it like last year at center. Like I just think now we should be just telling him run, run, just <laughs> keep running. Like you know, don't worry about the passing element as much or the kicking. Alrighty, and uh, this week, Scotty, it's uh, was scheduled for Sunday, one fifty p.m. at Seabus Stadium. It yeah. is uh, the Bulldogs and the West Tigers. Member uh, appreciation of our member appreciation round. Another one of our games of our membership. Uh, <laughs> flying away unfortunately it's been a rough couple of years we'll go for the team list we'll have a quick chat about it and then get into some um some other topics of the week um although i feel there might be some talking points here scotty at fullback after one game on the wing mick meany <laughs> don't understand that why move him in the first place then if you're going to give away that um that ploy only after one game Ridiculous. On the wing, it's Corey Allen. So they've switched <laughs> after one game. Centers Will Hopalati remains with Aaron Shop. Uh, the other winger is fellow Kiko Manu, who comes into the side. So that's uh, good to see him get another chance. Um, he can hopefully work on his defense and become a really good player in the future. Now in the halves, at six, it's Bailey Biondiotto and Jake Avarillo at halfback. This just confirms to me that uh, under Trent Barrett, uh, the only difference between a five-eighth and a halfback is which side you defend on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially after seeing the the way they flipped. If you're going to put Bailey in, this might sound. Um, well, if you're going to put Bailey in first, put him at halfback, and I much prefer Jake Everell in the six. 
It just makes a lot more sense to me. Uh, and then the other thing about that is Carl Flanning has been dropped for the third time this year. He didn't play great on the weekend, but what's he going to do without his best players in the forwards? Um, with the team not going anywhere, and what's he going to do in one week? Hmm. Like what? What was what was a pass mark for him to retain his spot? Did he need to give like four try assists? Yeah, I I don't uh, know. I've got I've got some opinions that <laughs> uh, drive in a second. In the forwards. Arva Sidamana Fungi, Jack Everington will start, Jeremy Marshall King's the hooker. Second row is Corey Waddell and Adam, Adam Elliott. Josh Jackson is at lock. The bench, Sione Katoa is back. Dylan Napa, uh, Chris Patulu, and Matt Dury are on the bench. Uh, the reserves now are Tui Katoa, Joe Stimson, Kyle Flanagan, and Jackson Topany. Yeah, so <laughs> I read this team list and I was scratching my head. Confused just because of the looking, and I was only one person in. S- seeing, <laughs> seeing Nick Mini return at fullback, I like. I thought we we're going with the process that we're giving Corey Allen a fair shot at fullback. Um, seeming that Corey Allen is going to be at the club next year, and you know potential chance to still be fullback next year despite the signings of Matt Dufty, and obviously had a car. Um, yeah. So I was thinking. Okay, so we've given Corey Allen a shot. He's going to finish off the next five weeks, obviously knock on wood, depending on injury or suspension, that he'll finish the season at fullback. And I couldn't say he had a bad game, but I don't think anyone on the backs. And it wasn't like Nick Mini absolutely killed it on the wing so much so that you're like, the more involvement. It was, they were pretty quiet, so I didn't understand that move at all. Uh, Falakiku Manu, I'm a, you know, a big fan. I thought you know, he should have probably retained his spot when Ball was back. Because I thought he was playing good footy at the time. Yeah, needs work on his defence, but his heart, like when he, he had a good yeah. uh, day at night against the Roosters, and he's someone who shows a lot of passion. So I was kind of happy with that. Uh, the halves, Jake Everlew at number seven. Doesn't make sense. So for me, I'm going to just put this out. The Kyle Flanagan, one game in again. He had one game in against Manly. Like I said before, we've had very, very little opportunity against Manly. Uh, you could have put Cooper Cronk in the Bulldog side against the Manly side, and it would probably lose maybe 60 or 58 nil. It, it was a Tom Travojevic day out, which he's doing against anyone and everyone. Like he, He's just doing it for fun, Tom Travojevic. So to drop Flanagan after that, I thought that was a, you know appalling, you know, not giving him a shot. And then after the, after the Titans game, yeah, he was he made some poor, poor, uh, poor judgment and some poor last t- tackle options. Um, it's not saying that Bailey didn't deserve his spot in the halves. Bailey's been doing everything right, so he deserves a crack or an opportunity to play some game time in his preferred position in the halves. But Kyle Flanagan, yeah, like like you said, what what was the pass mark? Did we did we need a win for Kyle Flanagan to stay? Um, do we need this? And what what's it doing to Kyle? Like he can't go back to reserve grade and be told, hey mate, need to work on your last tackle sets because all he's got is training. At the moment, so I don't see that, and um, you know, he's been out for so long. I mean, he was rusty. Like we saw him at the start of the, year, the first couple of rounds, he was playing pretty well, and he pulled up quite nicely for us in the podcast part of the year. Then we found out he had the rib injury, and then he, had, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we were like, oh, that makes sense why he was, you know, a bit bad. Then he, we had the day against Manly where <laughs> no one bloody touched the ball except for Tom Dravojevic, 
when he felt bored, he threw it back at us. Like It was just, you know. And then the game against the Titans, we had no go forward. Our props were all doing the same thing for the whole day. There was no variety in our props. Except for Heverington making a break and all that, but it was the same style of runs. We didn't have that Luke Thompson, the quick leg speed. Um, we didn't have a offloading prop or anything to create anything in the middle for our team. So it was just our props taking hit-ups. We, you know, we don't have a superstar winger or anything. He did put a kick on Ockenball, which he dropped against the Titans, which I thought could have led to a try. It would have been a try assist for Kyle Funnigan. But, yeah, what is it? Like, how is he meant to get better? Like, this is the third time he's been dropped this year. Mm. And we talk about, you know, I think, I don't know what Trent Barrett trying to achieve out of this. Like, I just, I feel for Kyle Flanagan. I feel for him. I think that, you know, he's had a, been, mm. had a bit, a bit rough against us. Well, you, you know how much I, how, how much I've been behind him uh, in supporting. Obviously, I made a few statements on here, uh, but I, I'm starting to think that it might be better for him. I don't want him to happen, but it might be better for him to leave. And mm. and just get to a his heart. We're saying this. Hasn't hasn't even been here for a season, and I'm going to say this, but just to get away from it all and find some place where it's less pressure, there's less scrutiny, um, and be able to develop as a player. Whether that's in the Super League, whether that's joining a team that's um, in the top six, whether that's going to the Melbourne Storm and becoming the next immortal, like because <laughs> he's that he's that player. Like seriously. If he, if he went to Melbourne, um, I reckon he'd be killing it. They don't need him at the moment, obviously, with the players they've got. But well, I just yeah, like it just it boggles me and all that. And I feel like the whole actual situation. I'm actually gonna take this back to when he was signed with the club. I think he's been handled poorly the whole time. Yeah. So he was our savior. They had new stories and the way Trent Barrett goes, he sees so much comparisons to Nathan Cleary. So first of all, Trent Barrett just compares him to the best halfback in the NRL at the moment. Yeah, which is why to not be, compare. To be fair, I was doing that too. No, yeah, but you're not the coach. I'm not of, the head coach. <laughs> you're not the head coach. Like, I would imagine if we were the head coach of the club right now, and we had the chance to sign Carl Flanagan, I reckon we would. We both would sign Carl Flanagan because we know the number seven's been a bit of an issue for the Bulldogs mm. the last few years. But I don't think we'd be facing the media saying that, hey, I see a lot of similarities to Nathan Cleary, <laughs> so I see a lot of things that we can do. This first of all. What a way to put pressure on a young kid's shoulder. Um, then the club was okay to say, hey, he's our saviour. Mm. He's going to be the the face of the club in the next three years at least. And, you know, we started talking about him being around for 10 years. Yeah, we were talking about it, but we're two guys on a podcast who supports yeah. the club that we can see the potential in him. And we, yeah, I yeah. still can see the potential in him. But we've done that. He's had those injuries. Yeah, put him out for a month. Let him sit down. Mm. But I actually would have went with Kyle Flanagan at a halfback and barely... Beyond Odo at 5'8 this week um, mm. to give Jake Avrillo a, a break because I do agree with you. I think Jake's a bit uh, a bit tired. His form the last couple uh, month and a bit has not been where he was because he was playing pretty well at the start of the year. But how is he meant to get better? I thought, you know, he, you know, a couple of things. Like he threw a ball to Aaron Shop on five and last Flanagan. Yeah, that's bad. Okay, now against the Tigers, you won't do that again, will you? The best way to learn is not to do it again and you know by doing it on the playing on the weekend and then yeah i don't know what's up with off hickey ogden by the way either yeah i heard he injured himself but he said they said he was going to be out for a week 
and I thought, you know, he might have made a way back into the reserves because I think Renoff Tony was really struggling in that game. He got it. He, he copped an awkward-looking tackle, which he was. You could see he wasn't running properly. He finished his stint, and he's not there this weekend. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's an injury update coming shortly on him, which we don't actually have. He looked a bit. How are you doing after that? But uh, here's a fun one for you before we actually go into Bulldogs and Tigers and talk more about you know our chances of winning. Brandon Wakeham yep. and uh, Dean Britt didn't travel to Brisbane. Or to Queensland, sorry, I should say Gold Coast. Really? Yeah, so I was just reading today Fox Sports, Darcy McDonald, the you know former Bulldogs cheerleader captain, mm-hmm. uh, reporting that Brandon Wakeham wasn't asked to go with the Bulldogs. Mm. Um, and Dean Britt... Almost said Darren then accidentally. Whoopsies. <laughs> Dean Britt um, is sharing photos and stories and stuff on Instagram with him and his dog and him, him and his partner. Um, you know, enjoying life down in Sydney. Or as much as he can, I guess, with lockdown. But um, Brent Awaken wasn't invited to go. I don't know anything about the Dean Britt situation, if it was a choice or not. But yeah, Wakeham's been told. And it's the rumor speculative. Specu- Rumours coming out of Belmore, sorry, is that um, he's been told to look elsewhere for next year. Jeez, didn't he almost win a, um, a golden boot? That's where the uh, article went next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he got nominated for the golden boot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so, well, there you go. There's some bobshot news I wasn't even aware of. Um, I was just reading it before and it just kind of came back in. I mean, I don't usually like like to post... Or like you know the rumor speculation that that's just a rumor of him not being here next year, yeah. but he's not with the Bulldogs right yeah. now, and he's a you have to think. I know it's be tough. It's tough on all players to go, but I was was just thinking for someone his age, and the no kids factor. Yeah, you know, not having the family like a lot of other players. Like you know, you would <clears> imagine <throat> that he would have been one of the the ones being like, yeah, let's go. Like you know what I mean? Like it's a big boys. So, so the club, just a bit, let's get this right. The club's asked him not to come. Yeah, well, he wasn't invited in the thirty-man bubble type thing with the, the the thirty players. So you can see how does that happen when you're in the top thirty? Yeah, well, Manu's not in the top thirty. He's yeah. there. Aaron Shop's not in the top thirty. He's there. Yeah. Uh, Bailey's in the top thirty. He's there. So there's three players who are not in the top thirty. Yeah. Were there? Oh, Chris Plateau. Plateau. Patolo, so, so sorry, Chris Patolo. He's another player not in the top 30. He's there. Yeah. So there's four players who have been invited mm. who are not in the top 30 who are currently obviously there, and you can tell because they've been all listed to play this week. There you go. Um, we know Ogden is there, but he got injured before his game up there, and Otani and all that. So someone's going to make way, and it looks like, by the looks of it, Wakeham and Britt. Look, it, it makes sense that... Um... You'd ask Wakeham not to come if you got Flanagan and Avarillo and Marshall King and Bailey Ondo. Oh, Bailey Biondiotto <laughs> up there. Um, that kind of makes sense. Like, it's kind of logical. We've been saying the same thing about re-signing Lachlan Lewis next year. So I kindly get that. Um, but I'm... but um, must be soul-crushing for um, his spirit and confidence. Uh, again, another player that must have their confidence squashed by the Bulldogs. Um, and then to be told that to look elsewhere next year, it's a bit disappointing. I, I've been critical of him in the past. I think he, he kills New South Wales Cup level and he struggled yeah. to bring that into the NRL. 
Uh, but at the same time, isn't he like 22? Yeah, maybe so even younger, yeah. He's got five more years to hit his prime. Mm. Half exit their prime around that age, so. And another thing is too, like, yeah, you say that. Um, I thought he played his better one of his better games where we show, showed a touch of class against the Eels, especially in the first half. Mm. He had that, that really good pass where it was that that Harbour Bridge ball where he just picked it nicely and it was just a really good um, try when the Bulldogs scored off the Harbour Bridge try. Not a great second half. And then he had the um, the COVID breach and they the speculation in the article said that he hasn't been in a favourite since the COVID breach. But I said, well, four other players were there and they seem to be back in the side playing regularly as well. Not not back yeah. in, not just back in the side. You know, they've made the trip and play. All right, so we've got the Tigers this week. Um, what are we tipping? I'm tipping a Tigers victory. I'm tipping a Tigers victory, but I tipped them last week, and oh, my goodness, watching that game against the Warriors, almost New South Cup side, reserve grade <laughs> side, the West Tigers butchered an easy win. you got to tip the Tigers. You, you just have to tip the West Tigers to win this. It, yeah. But you wouldn't be shocked if the West Tigers pull out the ultimate West Tigers performance and lose a game they're expected to win. They've done it almost all year. Uh, every single week, but oh, I don't know. Like they were awful. They, they've gone into a position now where they're mathematical to the top eight. Yeah. Yes. They're not, they're not making the top eight. No. But, if they can't beat the Warriors side in the South Cup, it wasn't like the War. See now the Warriors fans they're excited now. They've gone. Oh, we're actually mathematical after the last eight weeks, <laughs> um, which is a fair thing to say. They just beat a side with players left, right, and centre out. Just pulled apart of the Warriors. Um, the West Tigers, they sh- when they went 10 nil, then you go, if they can run away with this and, you know, should have won like 30, 40 nil or yeah. something like that, you can say, hey, the Tigers have got a chance. Yeah. Very, they still look backs against the wall. So it goes to show, can the Tigers just hold on to the belief or of making the top eight? Can they, if they, if, if obviously they're any chance, they've got to win every game and then hope results go their way. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too worried about that. I just feel there's more talent in the Tigers team at the moment, and they're going better than the Bulldogs oh. are, despite the well, fact that they are having a pretty poor season themselves. Well, yeah, the only thing that excites me—I well, shouldn't say this—but it excites me a little bit is Moses Envoy's playing fullback because uh, <laughs> of Dane Laurie. No, I'm just saying Dane Laurie has been a fantastic player for the West Tigers. He's been a shining light throughout the season. He's been one of the favourite players I like to watch, apart from when he gets hit in the head because he lays down for a bit. But watching him play Dan Laurie, he looks like he looks like he's got the potential to be an elite fullback. Like, yeah. So he's been someone that I enjoy watching as a neutral fan when the West Tigers play. Yeah. And he's not playing. So, you know, it's a big boost for the Bulldogs when you have someone like Dane Laurie's caliber, then Moses Embai goes back to fullback. It's not trying to be disrespectful to Moses, but he's a genuine fullback, Dane. Mm. Yeah. So. Or, Alrighty, we'll touch one talking point. What are the other talking points for this week? Well, we went through the team list and how upset we were, and that's really about it. We're up to Old Dog. Oh, no member, news this week. No, the member appreciation round. If you're interested, you know, <laughs> was meant to be is meant to be this week against the West Tigers. This game was actually originally meant uh, scheduled for Belmore Sports Ground, because um, I had a feeling, you know, we want to chat about that. That. Um, they really wanted to sell it out, and they've really struggled the last few years of getting around the ten to fourteen thousand mark through games the last couple of years based on Bulldogs' performance. Um, would have sold it out if they were anywhere near the top eight. And I felt like this year, if they played a Sydney team, 
having them come across would have packed out Belmore or had at least like 15,000 plus and had a really good atmosphere there. And I think that's why they want to do member uh, members appreciation around then. Um, but yeah, I don't, it'd be interesting to see how they do that. Mm. Uh, virtually. It's also, it's also ugly sock round. Interesting. Ugly sock round, um, raising awareness for the many league foundation. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they did the member appreciation thing. Like usually there's awesome giveaways at game day or, you know, something or extra discounts or merchandise and stuff like that. No one's going to be there. So <laughs> how do they get the members to feel like they're involved? And on game day, it would be interesting to see if they've got anything up their sleeves. So, yeah. You know. All right, let's get to Old Dog then. Old Dog, okay. So I've picked this Old Dog based because we're versing the West Tigers and we also needed a winner. <laughs> we needed a winner on our show. And you already mentioned his name on the show, which was really annoying. Terry Lamb. Yeah, it's Terry Lamb. I thought we needed to get to like a champion. You know, Western Suburbs, Magpies. We've not done Terry Lamb before. We have, but it's been a long time since we've done it. <laughs> but I feel like we could uplift people, you know? Arguably the Bulldogs' best player. Should have told me this beforehand. We could have just copied and cut the uh, last time we talked about it. <laughs> no, no. But we, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, we needed something. Terry know, Lamb. The Bailey Beyond the Odo before Bailey Beyond the Odo, as he will now be known. <laughs> What a legend. Eight games for Australian test matches, four of those at World Cups, seven games for New South Wales, uh, representing New South Wales City first once in New South Wales City, another four times. Obviously started off with the Western Suburbs Magpies, then came to the Bulldogs and was also one of the first coaches of the West Tigers as well. So definitely yeah, strong games. connections between the the, well, the two clubs, the Bulldogs and the Western Suburbs Magpies slash West Tigers. Um well, everyone knows about the um, about his his decorated career, uh, the premierships that he's won, and the fame he had uh, for being the, the best ever uh, support player mm. uh, through the middle uh, and running off the back of a uh, second phase play was incredible. Famous for kicking a field goal while down by two points at Belmore Sports Ground as well. Um, and also making a cameo on the NRL Bulldogs fans podcast during an interview with another former player. Barry Ward, yeah. <laughs> but that's another thing about Terry Lamb, you know, legend, obviously, of the club. You know, you look at these international career stats and you go, wow, like, you know, for someone who's, you know, played 350 matches and, you know, legendary Bulldogs royalty, you know, you think of Bulldogs and you think of, like, the best players. If you had to say, like, who's the top five players who's ever played for the Bulldogs, he makes the list on everyone. Yeah. He makes the list on the top three for everyone. You know, there's the argument, like, is Steve Mortimer better or is it Terry Lamb better? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that seems to be, like, the argument, is it Steve or Terry? Who's the better one of the two? Um, which we might have some fun. I might post on social media this week to have some bit of fun. Um, but he, he very not as much uh, representative football. Mm-hmm. As, not as much representing football. He had that farewell game at Belmore and came back again a year later. Said that uh, the famous stories about him not training, you know, the last season, not being able to do the runs and stuff like other players were because of all the, the injuries and toll on his body. Um, I don't know. Like, could you just clone him? Could, could we go back in a, like go back in time and just pinch him 
<laughs> when he was playing the late 80s, early 90s, just grab him at his prime and just drop him into this current Bulldog side. Does he make a difference if you had him at his prime playing? Yeah. Be nice to have a Terry Lamb out on the field. Let's go through a few achievements and honours. Yeah. He was a 1983 Daily M Player of the Year. He was the first runner-up of that award in 1984, 1987, and 1992. He won the 1984 Rothmans Best and Ferris winner. He's the three times winner of the Daily M Players Player of the Year, 84, 86, and 95. The record seven times Daily M 5-8 for the year award in 83, 84, 86, 87, 91, 92, and 93. Wow, look at that. <laughs> it's a mouthful. He won a record of 18 Daily M Awards. He's the New South Wales Rugby League Premiership leading try scorer in 1984 and in 1987. He's the New South Wales leading scorer in 1986. He's a member of the 84, 88, and 95 Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs Premiership winning teams. He was the 1995 captain. He's the only player to play every match on a full kangaroo tour. Lamb played in all 20 matches, 15 tour matches, and five tests of the 1986 Tour of Great Britain and France. Uh, he was a leading try scorer with 19 in that tour as well. He was a member of Australia's successful 1988 World Cup final squad. He played in New South Wales' first state of origin clean sweep in 1986. He scored two tries in his first premiership match playing for West against Belmain in 1980, and in his last premiership match playing for Canterbury, against North Queensland in 1996. He was awarded keys to the City of Canterbury of New South Wales in 1995. He was awarded the Order of Australia Medal for services to rugby league, Australian Sports Medal recipient in the year 2000. And in Fe uh, February 2008, Lamb was named in the list of Australia's 100 greatest players, which was commissioned by the NRL and the ARL to celebrate the Code's centenary year. I almost run out of breath reading that list, mate. Damn it. How good is that, eh? You could just... Man, that's achievements. I don't think he knows half of them, to be honest. There's that many <laughs> that he's probably forgotten about half of them. But, yeah, but the other thing is that he's, you know, coached Bulldogs New South Cup level after as well, just to add that his connection with the club. He works currently with the corporate team with uh, big, uh, big bustling Barry Ward. You know, uh, they probably get up to a lot of fun on game day. Game days, those two. Uh, you know, so he's been connected with the club since then. He's also had like that short stint with the West Tigers as the head coach. Mm -hmm. um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what he actually prefers on the off-field type of situation. Like what's the best role? Is it coaching or is it, you know, working in the office? You could tell, you know, yeah, he's still like around when we were making the grand finals years ago, people wanted to interview him more than some of the players who were playing in the grand final. You know what I mean? That's how, you know, how big he is. And he's still around the club, even obviously as a corporate person, but he did the COVID breach last year because he was watching them train. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't want to yeah. say that as a negative, but it just still like, you know, bleeds in it. He actually ran out a couple of years ago when Des Hasler was coaching. They let Terry Lamb lead out the team. Wearing, his, wearing a Bulldogs jersey, and you can see the smile on his face. I, I swear, he said, Desi, give me the first 20, and I'll let you know how I'm feeling. Like, they're just He's also much. the first player to play 350 premiership games. Yeah, toss up, but yeah, it's just so much Bulldog in him. Like, you know, like that's uh, where you want to be and who you want to be. Like, he's the definitely the greatest 5'8, but you know, the argument you want to say is he the best ever Bulldogs player, like to put on the Bulldogs jersey. It's hard to say he's not. Um, but I just find it boggling, though. Out of all this achievements, you know, you listed how many games he played for Australia and New South Wales. 
you know, with all these Daily M medals as 5-8 of the year and, you know, runner-up and winning the Daily M medal, you know, how did he not play more games for his state? It's very competitive time. You know what I mean? Like, it looks like he's a player who's playing. Yeah, it is. But it looks like he's a player playing today. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they just don't play international matches anymore. That's why he's (laughs) only got the eight. Like, you know what I mean? All right, let's, let's wrap it up. Hit the socials. Yeah, so on Twitter, at NRL Bulldogs fans, Instagram, NRL Bulldogs underscore fans, uh, Facebook, NRL Bulldogs fans podcast, and then uh, we've got an email, nrlbulldogs.fans at gmail.com.